Uh, last week we were chatting, or I was teaching, preaching, talking, rabbit trails. I told Karen, I said I went down 40 different rabbit trails last week and only caught 20 of them. Uh, but we were in Revelation 22, talking about the tree of life. And so let's, let's turn right there. If anybody's interested or lost it, I have a million dollar bill right here. Nobody's lost it? Okay. I know. My bookmark. Revelations 22. Starting in verse 12. 22 12. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who do his commandments. What are his commandments? You know, they say that the uh, person's last words are sometimes the most profound or important. Leonardo da Vinci said, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Elvis said, I'm going to the bathroom and read. <laughs> Mozart said, I feel something that is not of this earth. Bob Hope said, surprise me. W.C. Fields, I'm looking for loopholes. Well, my favorite was, don't let in like this. Tell them I said something. Pancho Villa. What was the last words of Jesus? And then? Go in the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Right? Those are the last words. I thought those were his last words. I really did. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We talked last week what that word go means. Remember what we said? Go. Means go. Was it? Long definition. Go. Long definition. Go. (laughs) On this journey, you have chosen to take it with Jesus. Share the gospel at every opportunity. On this journey that you have chosen, that you have chosen, you have chosen, take the opportunity to share the gospel. That's going. That's going. Mark 6, go to the gospel of Mark. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? That's how it works. Mark 16. Starting in uh, verse 9. There she is. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went to the country. And they went and told the rest. But they did not believe them either. Are you sure? Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You ever seen that before? That he rebuked their unbelief. Because they had been told and they did not believe it. He told me he was going to rise. And then the other gospel talks about it. And I always thought, you know, they were all there with him. But he rebuked their unbelief. Because of their hardness of heart. We talked about that a couple of weeks about the heart being hard. Nothing you see for you but the evil heart of man. And how the heart is so hard. And he rebuked that. And they went on. And then he said, Go on rule the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He just got done rebuking their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And then he gave them the commission. He noticed that the unbelief part did not disqualify the commission. Right. Amen. Amen. Say that again. That the unbelief did not nullify the commissions to go and preach the gospel. The hardness of heart did not disqualify them. I was raised in Loveland, Ohio. Country boy. Goshen, Ohio. Been to farm. And when God called me downtown Cincinnati over the Rhine, it scared me. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm a country boy. And the guy who trained us in evangelism, we met him on Fountain Square. And uh, out of our class of 50, me and Karen were the ones that showed up. (laughs) We met him on Fountain Square. We went walking. And and, uh, we really didn't go downtown much. And he started walking down Vine Street. Back in the 80s. And uh, I remember calling Crossing Central Parkway. And he said, we call this the wall. And you walked across that six lanes. And you walked across and you put your foot on the other side. And you're in a different zone. You're in a different world. And we're like, the spirit's changed. It's just changed. And we're like, God, what are you doing here? 
to us. And we walked on down, and at the time, Teen Challenge was at 1410 Vine Street. Mm-hmm. And we got down there, and we sat on the stoop, and two young men from Williamsburg Pentecostal came running up who'd been in the class. And they came running up to us. And so the gentleman who was training us, his name was Chef Baker, he said, here's the rules. Go down the Liberty, cross the street, go on down. See that park over there? Don't go into that park. You'll get killed in that park. That's what he said. I had a lot of unbelief. I had a lot of unbelief. God, you're using me down here at night to talk to these people about Jesus. What are you doing? It did not nullify the commandment. The last commandment Jesus gave, go into the world and preach. And so we started going talking to people. And I remember this bus pulled up. And this young man got off the bus, black a black man got off the bus, and he's standing there, and we walked up and started talking to him, the four of us. And he was from New Orleans. Orleans. He was from Orleans. And uh, we got to pray with him and took him back to Chef Becker. The young man was an alcoholic, and he had help, and he knew he needed help. And we introduced him to Chef, and Chef got him into Teen Challenge. That's the first guy we ever talked to downtown. So I guess God knew what he was doing. I can't cover up this little speaker thing. God commissioned us to go. He commissioned every one of us to go. Everybody. When Vanessa was talking on Sunday, Me and Karen sitting there, and we miss the kids in Mexico. You know, Mexico was never on our radar. Never on my radar. Never thought about it. So I met this gentleman, this young lady here. And then I met your family, and you shared about Mexico. Then we met Matt and Vanessa. And the Holy Spirit in his wisdom starts stirring something. You don't know exactly what it is. Now see, I've been to the Philippines on mission trips. And I really love the Philippines. And I told Karen, I said, we need to go to the Philippines again. That's, my, that's what I wanted to do. And so I had a dream one night. And God ministers, he speaks to you in dreams. Amen. Write your dreams down. Yep. Put them down. He gave me a dream one night, and uh, anybody familiar with what mountain men are? Mm-hmm. You know the guys coonskin caps? Mm-hmm. He showed me mountain men who were actually riding camels, and they were leading a parade. And in this parade, there was thousands, thousands of people, young people. And they all had black pants on, white shirts, and sunglasses. And they were darkly complected. And I thought, surely these are Asians. And I kind of understood what the mountain men were. Because God had called us to be a uh, forerunner, a trailblazer. 
which we had done downtown doing some things in their city at the time. So I understood that. Riding the camels, I didn't quite get that one. The other people, I thought, these are Filipinos. So I wrote it down. And then God gave me another dream of a golden eagle. Okay? So we got our things out, books out. We started researching gold. What, what's this? Oh, golden eagle is a symbol of Mexico. It's under flag. And then God gave me a vision of cobblestone. Everybody know what cobblestones are? On the street. And we had gone that year, we had gone to uh, Mexico, the Mardi Gras. We were walking on cobblestone. And Karen said, well, here's cobblestone. I said, that's not the cobblestone. That ain't what I saw. We had two people at Lakeland, Florida, separately, tell us that God was calling us to be a bridge to the next generation. So we were looking for the bridge, how to do that here. I was asking, well, how that, how's that look like? How's that look like? Don't know. I still don't know what it looks like here. And then Vanessa came up, and she's talking about God's love. And the Holy Spirit hit us between the eyes. And then Miss Doris walked up to us and said, you guys want to go to Mexico? And my wife said, yes. We went to Mexico and fell in love with the people there. And I come to find out the Phil they weren't Filipinos, they were Mexican. And that was the next generation. And the cobblestone that I had seen was on the street right outside Prestige. And the kids asked me one day, how do you know... How do you know this is where God wants you? I said, come with me. Come with me. We walked out into the street. I said, look down. They said, what? I looked down. Those are cobblestones. You know what cobblestones are? That's what it is right there. You're standing on it. And God showed me in a dream that this is where I was supposed to be. I could show me these cobblestones and these houses. And we all stood in the street and we all cried. They knew God was present. That's the going. That's the impact of the going and being, of being to the, the commission. Started out going downtown not knowing what the heck am I doing. Don't have a clue what I'm doing. God is cool. He's so good. But my fear did not disqualify the commission. In my experience, opportunities come up and people say, let me pray about it. Let you pray about what? If I'm supposed to go. He's already said go. He's already said go. I don't ask him to go. He'll tell me when I'm not supposed to go. You know, Paul made plans to go. He was going to go here, and the Holy Spirit checked him. And he wanted to go. He made plans to go here, and the Holy Spirit checked him. He made plans to go here, and the Holy Spirit checked him. And then he heard the call to Macedonia. You plan to go. If you don't supposed to go, God will check you. 
But if you're supposed to go, he'll open the door. So we don't pray, God, should I go? Why would he go against his word? Go in the door and preach the gospel. Go next door and preach the gospel. When I went to the Philippines the first time, I absolutely loved it. Went to a lot of churches. Did a youth conference. Talked to a lot of young people. Before I went the second time, I had questions. Well, God, I'm not really talking to unsaved people. I'm talking to church people, mostly. That's who I'm working with. Go to Matthew. This is what the Holy Spirit showed Great Commission again. Book of Matthew. Chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So go and make disciples. Teach them. It goes both ways. Preaching, teaching, disciples. It's the same thing. There's two different parts to this. I find that when we go to Mexico, you're getting both sides of it. There are those who have never heard it, and there are those who have heard it, and, they, and you're teaching and discipling. Let's go back to Genesis. Book of Beginnings. It's been a lot of times in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. There's this man, his, he's uh, named Abram. Chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. By there? Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Up in verse 2. He says, and you shall be a blessing. Shall be a blessing. Studying that out. You're going to be a blessing to all those around you. And you are going to declare my name to them. 
This is the first commissioning to go was to Abraham or to Abram to be a blessing. When we go, we're to be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Find out that everybody wants to be wants to have your blessing. There are those who are not really appreciative of you telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. Who really don't want to hear how you confront them about their uh, ungodly ways or their sin. They're not really pleased about that. But Jesus because those are the words that go and penetrate the heart as we saw a couple weeks ago because the law has been written on the heart of man and it either accuses them or excuses them if they've done something wrong it pierces them it brings conviction a few years ago up in Athens I got the opportunity to talk to this young man we had a great great talk we talked for quite a while and I shared, and he walked away, and he came back. We talked some more. He left and walked off, came back again, and we sat there and talked some more. He finally walked off again, and I talked to him, and he came back, and we talked, and I'm, by the time he got done, I said, Brother, you've heard the entire gospel now. Your blood's not on my hands. If you died, it's all on you. He got mad at me. You can't do that to me. I said, but brother, it's done. You cannot stand before the judge and say, I never heard it. Amen. You heard the whole thing. And now what are you going to do with it? You're accountable to what Amen. you know. See, a lot of times what we do, we go so far and we stop because we don't want to offend somebody. I remember a pastor, a pastor of mine used to say, forgive me if I offend you in this. Forgive me if I offend you. Love me when I say this. You're not going to offend me. If I am, it's on me. You know, the gospel is an offense to those who do not believe. Amen. It's going to offend people. Yeah. But we become so politically correct yeah. that we want to hurt somebody's feelings. Right. Jesus didn't have a problem hurting religious people's feelings. I mean, I've never, well, maybe I have. I don't remember calling anybody a white horse sepulcher or anything, you know, or a bunch of vipers. I don't remember me calling that, but Jesus did, and so, you know, it's... <laughs> he called the way he saw it. You know, I've come to realize, I've, there's a lot, how many of you know Christians? Do you know any Christians? Nobody knows any Christians. Let me see hands. You know Christians that they really don't they don't they don't they don't walk it, they don't they don't they talk about it, they really don't walk it, they don't show it, they don't live it. Looks good, but inside there's nothing there. How I many I've worked with these people? Every the word of mouth was GD. And I told him one day, I said, man, you're just making my job harder. Because every time I start talking to somebody, they're pointing to you. 
dead man's bones. That's the way it is. That's exactly the way it is. God looks at that. You can't live that way. We have to be an obedient people. Amen. I don't know why. So Adam went out, he proclaimed the presence of God. When you're sharing with somebody, you're talking with somebody, you're in the grocery store praying with somebody, you're speaking to the spirit of the man. This is enmity against God. This is the brain. This is not agree. You're going for the spirit. Go to the Gospel of Acts. It ain't the Gospel, the Book of Acts. I said last week, I guess it was, uh, I pace. And me and Karen, we did all the in-house stuff in the church. But to me, something was missing. Something was missing. And my thought was, if this is what it is, I might just die and go to heaven. There's got to be more. Amen. I mean, to, when I, before I got saved, the same question I had. There's got to be more. Because to me, everybody, and I was raised Catholic, and to me, Jesus was the Savior of the world. And everybody's good if you're Catholic, right? But I knew Catholics are... Stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> you're stinkers. Uh, and I think, all these people are going to heaven. I mean, that's what got me thinking. All this is going to heaven. But I thought heaven was a holy place. God's going to allow this in. And that got me thinking. Don't work that way. It don't work that way. And so this process, so when I got saved, we start working in the church at the same process. There's got to be more. The book of Isaiah, Isaiah is going through this whole process. You don't have to turn there. Where he's being called. I'm going to read this. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of a king Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his tent robe filled the temple. And it's, above it stood six seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. Uh, the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Have you ever been in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, where you're undone? Amen. I mean, you're reaching for the pocket knife in your po in your pockets and you cut the carpet to get down lower. Yeah. <laughs> if you make the wrong move, you're going to die. Yeah. Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
when God shows up, you look in His face. Moses, I have to cover you. I can't let you see my front. I'll let you see my backside. Then one seraphim flew to me, having in the sand of live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell the people. That was me and Karen's prayer. We get done cleaning the toilets, clean the, the church, clean the offices, the classroom, the carpet, setting up the chairs on Saturday night. We end up on the floor in the sanctuary. Here we are, Lord, send us. Start changing our hearts. There's got to be more than just playing church. Love y'all. Mm-hmm. But there's more to it. Amen. What is it? Here I am. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Now, Acts chapter 6. We're not church hoppers. We're not church hoppers. Amen. I don't have looking for feel good sermons. I look for sermons that are convic- going to bring conviction to me. It's going to change my heart. Mm-hmm. You can't jump, jump, jump. I said that a couple weeks ago. You can't jump. You got to plant. I said that last week. You got to plant yourself. God starts moving upon your heart to do something. There was a gentleman at our church when I first got saved, and he was going downtown by himself. And I had that stirring in me, and I, I wanted to go with him. And so I told him, he said, he went down Thursday afternoons after work. I said, I want to go with you. Give me a call. Well, you know what? He called me, and I had something come up. I couldn't go. Next week, following week, he called me. Man. Kids are sick. Call me next week. Next week, call me up. I couldn't make it. Something else came up. Something else came up. Amazing, isn't it? All that stuff comes up on a Thursday night when I plan on going down with this guy. We finally got to the place. I said, don't call me. Just come. He came, picked me up. We ended up going downtown over the Rhine. Me and my buddy. Walking, talking to people. There was a place down on Walnut Street. It used to be called the Death Club. All the windows were painted black and had yellow trim. And there was three people sitting on the stoop. Crazy Chat, who was a uh, drummed out of the Air Force, for alcoholism. 
He's probably 55 years old, looked like he's 75 years old. Alcoholic. There's his girlfriend, who's a 16-year-old black girl who's pregnant. And there's this other guy, and I forget his name. And me and my friend, they're sitting on the stoop, and we're stooped down, which I can't stoop no more, but we're stooped down, we're, we're talking to him. We're sharing the gospel with him. And this guy hangs out of a window, and he starts yelling at us to get away from that building. He starts yelling and starts cursing at us. We're sure just keep on sharing. We're not paying no mind to him. Next time you know, here comes this guy running across the street, no shoes on. He's huge. Matt, he made you look small, brother. Huge sucker. And he's coming at us. And me and my buddy, we just start praying in the spirit. We're praying in tongues. And this guy comes up to us, and me and my friend, we stood up at the same time and put our hand up out like this. And this dude stopped, and he threw his hands like this, and he started backpacking, pedaling backwards, and he took off running down the street screaming. I don't know what he saw. I, I have no idea what, what, who was with me. I know who was with me. That's the first time I experienced the supernatural at work like that. God protects you when He calls you. Amen. There's divine protection. You afraid to go to Mexico about the gangs? I ain't worried about it. God's called me. I'm. I feel safer down with Matt and Lonnie than I would ever feel in Chicago. Oh yeah. <laughs> but God's called me to Chicago before too. So. God puts something on your heart. You need to make. You need to obey it. Amen. Amen. You need to prepare. So, there's these guys. They were called the apostles. There was eleven of them, because they lost one. And they were doing the thing, yeah. and they picked thing, and then they come back in chapter six, and they got that, and they said it's not right that we should wait on tables and do all this, all the needs of the people. You all select somebody, right? Who did they select? Let's go to verse 1. Chapter 6. Now in those days when the numbers of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against, against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve... Oh, maybe they were passing out food. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. People in the pantry who serve. Anytime you serve, full of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, good reputation. That's who they chose. That's requirements to serve. Any servant. To wait on tables. To preach the word. They chose. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procorus, and Nicor, and Timion, and Peneus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, 
whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and the great many of the priests were obedient in the faith. Acts chapter 8. You know the story of Stephen. How he got preaching one day. There was a young man standing watching, and his name was Saul. Verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. That's talking about Stephen. Now at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And a devout man carried Stephen to his burial and made a great imitation of him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women coming in the prison. They were all in Jerusalem. They're multiplying. The church is growing. It's growing and it's growing. Nobody's going anyplace. They're not obeying the commandment to go. They're complaining because they're not getting their needs met. So what happens? Persecution comes. Persecution comes. And people are scattered. I think a lot of times our church splits are because of that. Because we get very comfortable right where we're at, and God says, it's time for you people to get moving along a little bit, and things happen. Yeah. And you have to go someplace else, and you're not, you're, now you're out of your comfort zone, and you're, you have to plant someplace else. It's not fun. No. But I'll tell you what happens growth comes. Mm-hmm. How many have ever been through some terrible things in your life? Mm-hmm. Every one of us have. And God's got you through every one of them. And what's happened to it? Your faith has grown. Every one of us has been through something where your faith has grown. You're still here. You're still standing in spite of everything that's happened to you. We're still here. So the persecution came. The church is scattered abroad. We find it, we're saying, amazed that these people wouldn't change the world. Well, yeah, because they had no choice. (laughs) God's, he chased them out of Jerusalem. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, remember Philip, the guy who had chosen? Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, with a good reputation. That guy. When you talk about Steve, here's Philip. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitude with one accord. <clears throat> he had the thing spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The miracles. We were talking tonight about the, uh, the, the, the people who come into the pantry that we prayed for who've been healed. They may not come to the doors, but God's touched their lives. 
I'm not looking to increase the church. I'm looking to have an impact upon a life. That's what we do. So here's Philip. He's doing miracles. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many, and they were possessed, and many were paralyzed, and lame were healed, and there was a great joy in this city. Go to chapter, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, And rise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had all charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him ring the prophet Isaiah, saying, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I let someone guide me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who would declare his generation? For his life is taken from death. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask, of whom does the prophet say this? of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture and preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to see water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to be still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord had caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Adesos, and passing through the priests in all the cities. He's just a guy who was serving at tables. He was nobody special. He was a man like you or me, and, or a woman, who's just out serving the people. It's not us up. When we lay hands upon the sick or something, it's not up to us what happens. We're just being obedient to what God told us to do. Amen. That's what it's about, obedience. All goes down to obedience. Here I am, Lord, send me. Go to 1 Peter. Got one more scripture. Actually, I got a bunch more scriptures. I can't imagine. You can't imagine. What page is that on? 1393. Thank you. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 15. Starting 14. <laughs> Got it? Everybody there? Yes. 
I'm not. I'm in Second Peter. It happens. Verse 13. 3.13. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But any of you should suffer righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Always have an answer of the hope that's in you. Always have an answer when somebody asks you. When I've when I first gave my life to the Lord, and uh, my honey hadn't quite got there yet, and we were having a little uh, tiff at times, and uh, I remember I was working out in my little big garden. It was only like four by four, I mean, small garden, and I'm out there working this thing one day. And my neighbor came walking across over to me. He walked up, and I'm kneeling down in there, and he says, uh, Dan, what I got to be saved? What, what do I have to do to be saved? I've never been asked by that. I've never heard that quote. I'm, I'm a new Christian. And the only thing I could say was, Oh, God, don't let me blow this. I had to give an answer. What's my answer? I gave my testimony. This is the hope. This is the way he's done for me. Brian, this is my hope. He's the one that changed my life. He's the one that took me out of the mess I was in, and he's with me, and he's changed it. We all have a testimony. Every one of us have a testimony. Every one of us is a witness of the goodness of God and what he's done in our lives. Every one of us. Every one of us. That young man later on, uh, before we got saved, we had a group, six families, and we called ourselves the Mindy Lane Six. And on weekends, we let the pickup truck go down the pony keg and get us a keg of beer, set it in ice, and all weekend long, just have a good old time. And then I got saved. Then she got saved. The people next door to us got saved. The people across the street got saved. And the ones down here got saved. And the ones over here got saved. Eventually, every, all the Mini Lake Six, every one of us got saved. Spark started and spread. You got to prepare yourself to go. You got to prepare yourself. How you do that? Study scriptures. I know when I was, when God started calling me out, I, Keith Green. His, his music, his all missionary stuff, his music, I listened to it constantly. I'd read books on missionaries. William Booth, George Whitfield, John Wesley. Missionaries, stir your faith up. Books on, you know, different things, evangelism. That's what I studied. I've studied this stuff. I'd study it out. I'd read it. Go through scriptures. You pray. God send me. He did. Wasn't what I expected. (laughs) 
You know, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, the presence of God comes. You can do things that you have no idea what you're doing. Right. Amen. I read a story one time about Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth. Crossing a bridge. I heard guys walking across the other way. And Wigglesworth walked over to the guy and told the guy to open his mouth and stick his tongue out. He grabbed his tongue and grabbed a hold of him and said, This tongue will preach to thousands. And dropped it and walked away. <laughs> That's bold. Yeah. <laughs> That's bold. You pray. Yeah. You prepare yourself. You get your passport. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, I want to go, but I don't have a passport. Get your passport. Right. Don't wait till the last minute when God Amen. says, why don't you do this? Why have a passport? Yeah. I found out that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I mean, when we got... I'm going to be honest. When we got involved in street ministry, we were not liked in our church. We were weird. I'm serious. It was hard, but God called us there. And my pastors didn't have a clue what I was doing. They didn't understand me. I wasn't the right type. I didn't have the right suit. I wasn't because they were about the church, and I was being called out of the church. I mean, we had a leadership meeting one time, and I got there, and they did all their stuff, and they called us up for prayer. And I remember walking up for prayer. I'm staying here. And they wouldn't even pray with me. My worship leader came over and prayed with me. But God was calling me to do these things. And I'm going downtown. I'm bringing people to church, and these guys are filthy. And they're going to the bathroom and worshiping up, and people are sitting away from them. <coughs> but that's where God called me. And that's not where I wanted to go. <laughs> that wasn't my idea. But when he started doing that, a friend of ours came up to it, and they had this thing called the Street Ministries Conference in Dallas, Texas, which we didn't have a clue what it was about. But we said we'd like to go with them. We had no money. We had the money to take off. We were working. So I remember, we were talking about this this morning. I remember going in in the bedroom, and we got our suitcases out. And we started packing our suitcases. And we didn't have a dime to go. But God, that's what we put on our heart. So friends of ours came to our house for dinner that night. And before they left, they said, oh, by the way, here. And they gave us a check. And paid for our trip. God will make the way. Yes, he will. He'll make the way. He'll make the way through work. If he's called you, he'll prepare it. I'm a firm believer. I am. Corinthians says we're ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Representative of a government. We're representatives of the government. Now, do ambassadors pay their own way? Just a question. I believe the kingdom pays the way. If God wants you to go, he'll take care of you. You do what you're in your heart to do. 
We're ambassadors for Christ. Amen. Another thing you do, you keep your eyes open for opportunities. Yes, amen. Every day. You may not be able to go to Scotland or Mexico or Europe or Africa or Brazil, but you're going to the store. You're going to the grocery, you're going to get cash, you're going here, dealing with neighbors, you're dealing with people. You keep your eyes open for opportunities to share the gospel. You prepare, you have the answer, you got the answers, the questions that come. How you get it. Study to show yourself approved. A workman not be ashamed. You study it. How did Jesus do it? If you know you know it's Jesus when he always taught. The Beatitudes, multitudes. But you get down personal, it's always one-on-one. Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. I'm coming to your house and I've been. That's what he did. Matthew, I'm coming to your house. What? He's a tax collector. I really think Peter had a problem with Matthew. Being a businessman, dealing with a tax collector? I wonder sometimes... When Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive? Jesus said, what's really in his mind? <laughs> it was Matthew. Jesus said, 70 times 7. Every time. Prepare yourself. Even when you don't want to. Even when you don't want to. You prepare yourself to go. You get things ready. Don't use, I'll pray about it. He's already told you to go. Amen. We're goers. We're not sitters. I had something written down here. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Back where we were at the beginning of it. Blessed are those who do do his action, mm-hmm. his commandments. You know, if you go to, uh, can I do one more scripture? Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Chapter 24. Mark said, go and preach the gospel. Matthew said, go and make disciples. Luke's the guy who wrote the book of Acts. He's the one that talked about go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost. Right? Verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. <clears throat> now as it came to pass, while he blessed them, they was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. 
Go up to verse 36. I forget, I missed this one. Actually, go to 44. I'm sorry. 44. 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while still with you, that all things must be fulfilled that are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and of the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, <clears throat> and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted, from them and carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. The commission. Preach repentance and do with power by the Holy Ghost. Gotta have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Gotta have the power. If you don't do it, have the power. It's hard. It's hard. We were in New Orleans one time, and eight, I don't know if you weren't with us. This is before your time. Had eight guys. And we had built a coffin. We built this coffin that we could take apart and put back together, and we all had black pants and white shirts and sunglasses, black tie, white gloves. We're looking good, man. And our plan was to take this coffin right in front of St. Louis Cathedral. You're never going to guess who was in the coffin. <laughs> Jeff Plummer. <laughs> oh God! Buddy Plummer was in the was in the in the coffin, and I had a little speaker. And there, a guy there, he sat this down, and Plummer was going to do with this thing set up, and I was going to preach. <clears throat> and opened my mouth. I know this never happened to any of you all. I opened my mouth and nothing was there. And you think, oh my God, help me, Jesus. Nothing was there. Sparky, we called him Spark Spark. Sparky looked at me, I looked at him, and Chuck was down. We looked at each other, everybody's going, now what are we going to do? I mean,. I preached with the anointing without, but down there, because I had all these people standing around, and nothing. We picked this thing up and started walking with it, this casket carrying this thing. And people started asking us, who's in the casket? And one of my friends said, wages of sin. And they went nuts. Wages of sin. That's how they do it down here. You know, they have, they have precisions down the streets of New Orleans, very young people. But we just carried that thing to the streets. See, God had different plans than we had. Our plan was to preach this thing, open it up, and do it. But we started carrying it. We got more people coming to us, and we just carried it and started talking to it. God knew what he was doing. Amen. That thing was heavy. It was heavy. It was heavy as so Why we did that, we just felt like that's what we're supposed to do. And God took care of it. But the lady pulled up in a car, and we had this thing going down, and this lady pulled up next to it, and she said, shout out the window, who's in the casket? Wages of sin. And she yelled and started backing down the street. 
scary but fun. Be obedient what God puts on your heart to do. Be obedient. Prepare. Prepare to go. Every day. Look for opportunities. Keep your eyes open. And God will send you. I heard people say, well, I'll never go there. <laughs> yeah. Never say never. Never say never. Let's pray.